0: Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. I'm your host, Louis McParlin, and even though we're four weeks into the January transfer window, I've still not received the call from Monaco to be their next Cercel Bruges bench warmer. On today's show, uh, we will have a roundup from the matches that were played this week in the world's greatest cup competition, of course, the Coupe de France, or French Cup, if you don't want to sound too pompous. PSG, Lille and Marseille were all involved, but the pick of the games came in a stunning clash between Anj and Rennes, which we'll come on to in just a moment. We'll also take a look forward to this weekend's matches between relegation battlers Amiens and Toulouse, as well as Lyon's trip to the coast to face Nice. Now, Thomas Wiseman has been offered a contract at Ange to clean Filgini's boots, but after a long conversation, I convinced him to stay on the show with a view to him maybe later on getting the chance to clean Santa Maria's boots. You know, could could get a step up at some point. So Thomas, with the window almost over, what has been your your favourite Legun move so far?
1: Um, it's going to be Andre related. It's it's a uh, Toko Akami back to back to Legun. For Leon, I think it's a really good signing. Um, the transfer fee isn't a lot. He's proven, he's a proven goal scorer and he's already scored his first goal. So um, it's great to see him back and he'll, uh, he should be good for, for Leon to to push back into them Champions League spots.
0: Mm, he is pretty solid. He's, he, to be honest, right now, he's exactly what, what Leon needs just someone who's not like, This diamond in the rough that you need to mould into your £30 million transfer in three years' time. He's just going to come and he's going to score goals right at the start like he did against Toulouse. Uh, I'm also joined today by Jeremy Smith, who has hosted the show in my absence before, but this is the first time he's appeared as a guest this season. Mr Smith, the same question goes to you. Which transfers really stuck out for you?
2: Um, For me, it's it's a couple of centre-backs that have come in or one i don't think is officialised yet but but hopefully will be in the next day or two um there's Dylan Brown who's come in um at mess so obviously i've got a bit of an eye on that one and so far he looks like he has shored up the defense a bit and um you know if he can just keep a, a, a few goals out this year that might be the difference between mess staying up or going down and the other one is that um one of the the signings that monaco's making as usual in any transfer window you look at the sort of Lists of ins and outs, and Monaco's list is about four times as big as the rest of the teams put together. <laughs> but um, one of the t- one of the players they look like they're bringing in is uh, Jean Harrison uh, Marcelin from Auxerre, who I think's a, a really talented centre back. And um, yeah, with, with him for Fana and Chouameni sure it looks like Monaco finally, after sort of three or four years, uh, have actually got their kind of transfer policy together, and they're, they're looking again at talented kids, but slightly older ones who have actually got a bit of first-team experience, unlike the 16 or 17-year-olds that that have been coming in and and doing absolutely nothing the last couple of years. Yeah, that's big words to say already, that they've completely sorted themselves out. Who who
0: was the guy that... On on their way
2: to it, not completely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who was the guy that signed last year and he was injured for the first, like, two months and didn't take a wage? Attacker. Ah... William Van Cour, that's the guy, came from Antlersport on loan. He was injured for like the first month or, or three weeks or something and then take a wage yeah. and then did nothing.
2: Dude, he's, some... a, he's a Toulouse now, isn't he? <laughs> Having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: uh, okay, Bef- let's not laugh at Monaco too much and move into some of the Coup de France reviews from this week. So the, the pick of the matches, like I said earlier, has to be... Ren versus Ange. It was Anji were the hosts for this one and it finished 5 4 to Julien Stefan's Ren side. Goals for Anji came from Stefan Bahokin, uh, Matthias Prier and also Sada Tube with a clean little double. Uh, and the goals for Ren came from James Sleeky, uh, Bain Yang, Jan Boho, who's starting to get a little bit more involved in the team, and an absolute beauty, as Thomas will tell you from Jilan. So, Thomas, I don't really know where you start with this match, but how how did this turn out? How did it get so crazy?
1: <laughs> um, well, the, the first half was really Rem um, with a the much better side, and and after the game, Moulin admitted, you know, the first half was was his fault for not setting up the team properly and and not picking the right players, but. I mean, the second half was—it <laughs> was crazy. I'm trying to remember all the goals that were scored, but um, I'm—I must be forgetting one or two. Uh, but yeah, Andre came out. He, there was two substitutions were made. Tube was brought on, and and they really had a go. And you know, Tube scores from a, a corner kick. Sort of, nothing he knew much about it. I think he was trying to control the ball, but it uh, sort of hits his leg and and just goes across the line. Um, and then Ren get a, uh, a penalty, which was no contact whatsoever for, <laughs> from Santa Maria to uh, to Neung. Um It was a complete dive, um, but the referee still gave it. And it went to 3-1. And then André brought it back uh, once to you again. And then uh, Bohokin scored a penalty, uh, which was a penalty. Um, I think it was the 88th minute. Uh, so, so it went to extra time and Bren score again. So you think it's okay, right? And then just before the end of ex- the first half, extra time, Angers score again. Um, and it's just a bit, it's a bit crazy. And then Jelon scores an amazing goal. It was really, really great. I think it might be his first goal for him, and the. It was just such a a great technique, and it just curls right into the top corner. And after that, you know, I, I'm watching. I think, yeah, they can have it because there's no way you can come back from from that. Really, and it was it was amazing. It was it was a really fun game to watch. Obviously, not the desired result, but both teams really fought well to to um, sort of keep the match that entertaining. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a really fun one.
0: Mm, yeah, you have to remember that Jelen was playing centre half for this game, and just seemed to get himself in the final third and absolutely pinged it into the, I think it's the top left corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who were the standout performances from you then in this insane match? I feel sometimes when games get so crazy, it, it, there's, it's not even like anyone's playing well; just everything's just going crazy. But who for you <laughs> stood out? Was it uh, Pereira Laja who came back hitting the team? Um, Sada Tube obviously had quite a good game.
1: Uh, I think with Pereira large, he's, he's been sort of uh, in and out of the squad, and his position's been changed quite a lot this season. Uh, but he's still been producing pretty well. He's really good at pressuring um, opposition players, um, and he was he was eventually moved out to the left hand side, which is where he, he played a lot of his football uh, for Clermont in in Ligue 2. And he just looked much more comfortable. And it was it's, it was probably good for his confidence to get to get a goal. Um, hopefully, he can take that on. But um, I mean, apart from that, there was just a, I mean, obviously T was quite good. Mangani um, <laughs> came in and, and at halftime, and and it, it gave Anj um, more of the ball and, and better control over the game. Um, so that, that was another one there. And, and for for Ren, I think um, I, I mean Kamavinga came on later on in the game and just sort of was pretty much untouchable um, at times. Uh, but, I mean, Mendy made one or two really good saves right towards the end of the, uh, the end of normal time. Um, and it was just a, yeah, it was a really fun game. And Moasa was a, a pain down the uh, down the uh, left-hand side. He's a, uh, he's not the most technically gifted player, but he'll always put you in danger and just drive towards towards the corner flag.
0: Do you want to have any explanation for the for the performance of of Daniel Petkovic in this match for You know, <laughs> Big opportunity for him. Uh, Ludovic Patel hasn't been having the stellar season that we were all expecting, of course, but he was pretty error prone as well. Not even error prone, just didn't save the ones he should have. I mean, I mean, the, I think it was the first goal, the long range effort, just kind of bounced in front of him, and he would com- he just was completely bewildered by it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was. I'm not. I'm not sure if it was a deflection or something, but he just completely got the uh, the flight of the ball wrong. Uh, Pavlovic. I mean, I wasn't too impressed when we signed him. I didn't think um, he was very good for Lorient, and that was in the second division. Um, and I think it was quite easy to sign him because his agency is the same one as Pavlovich, a player we already have. Um, yeah, and Patel obviously hasn't been. Very good this season, and it and he really does need some competition. And there's there's a few good you know younger goalkeepers out there in France that I think probably um, Olivier Picou will be taking a look at to come in because Pekovic isn't really good enough um, to 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 be a first team keeper.
0: And uh, a player I kind of mentioned earlier for rain is Jan Boho. He got an assist and a goal in this match. another one of those young players coming through at rain. I think he's seventeen or eighteen how How did he play is he developing quite nicely
1: yeah he, he was he was he was quite good in this game he was linking up um really well with some other players that I think I remember quite a good few good moves you had with um with neong and and, and Tate, and who's sort of dropping in between the lines um, nicely, and it's it's just another another Rem player, you know, um, another good good prospect. And I remember he scored the the winning goal against uh, Toulouse quite a, uh, a few weeks back. That sort of um, Rem pushed through that game, and and uh, it's, it'll be good to see how his his uh, season goes because he's not played that much, but uh, I I reckon he'll um, he'll start to feature a little bit more.
0: And just finally to, to finish on this game, what does this show about about Ren, you know, Julian Stefan's team? A lot of good things have been said about them recently and they are on great form. Does this just show that, you know, is it is the, the cliche when it's like, oh fantastic mental strength and their fortitude and all that all that crap? Or is it more a case of they got kind of lucky in a really crazy game?
1: Uh it was probably both. I mean, they've, I, think, I've, I think they've been lucky this season with a, a lot of the decisions and, and some of the games um, have sort of gone in their favour. But if you look at Ren, you know, over the past couple of seasons, they've always been a team that have, I mean, sort of towards the back end of games, is, have given away points um, and, and lost leads. And it, it's. I think Stefan now is starting to, to so instill a bit more fortitude within the within the squad and it does show you know in, in prompts like this they could have easily you know crumbled but they kept coming back and, and um knocking on the door of the, of the angers defense and and it does show it that there is something you know they are building some uh, quite good projects um projects at renan and um there's much more to come from i think <laughs>
0: OK, let's move on to one of the other round of 16 matches that happened in the Coup de France. And this was San etienne and their 1-0 win in Monaco. That man, Denis Buanga, once again with the goal for Le And Jeremy, how pivotal
2: has Buanga been for San etienne this season? Extremely. I mean, that, that I still think that on paper they're... They have got a lot of very good players, but uh, for various different reasons, they're, they're not quite clicking. I think Hamumo is um, sort of struggling constantly with injury niggles, um, and Villa, for example, um, has missed a few games recently, and, and no one's entirely sure why. I think it possibly is some kind of um, off-field problems, and that the, the players that you kind of would hope um, are going to step up haven't... Done it for a lot of the season, and Buanga is the one. Kasri as well. I, I mean, for me, he's always been a, a player who kind of plays in fits and fits and spurts and you can never align him to have a, a a good sort of full season. But Buanga really has um has managed to kind of keep keep the team afloat at times. He's coming up with important goals. He's he's d- doing a lot of the the creative work as well, and, and I think. A lot of people have thought for a while that he's a talented footballer and it's another one that, that maybe in the past has struggled for consistency. But um, yeah, I think he's, he's having a great season for, for the pair.
0: And I know he won't win it or won't get anywhere close because that's just not how these awards work. But for someone who's been in a, in a very struggling San Etienne side this year, a team that isn't hitting their heights that they usually do just outside Europa League and Champions League places and all that jazz... He's hit ten goal contributions this season, seven goals, three assists. Do you think he should be a contender for some sort of award this season? You know, some sort of Player of the Year or anything like that, because he has probably been one of the guys who's contributed the most to a single team. If you know what I mean, Jeremy. Well,
2: I, I think Javi Diallo might disagree with that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's it's a fair argument, and you look at last year, and somehow Ben Arfa managed to get into the nominations for player of the season so but on, on that basis for definitely deserves it but when you consider that there's only four nominations and by law three of them have to go to psg players whether they deserve it or not <laughs> then i think he's going to struggle but yeah certainly he's, he's one of those players who if you if you judge it sort of less on kind of team achievements and more on um you know, how crucial you've been to your team then yeah he's, he's right up there but at the same time, I mean, to preempt possibly what your next question is going to be, you can't really give it so far because of the, how few matches he's played. But you look at the statistics and the difference between matches when William Saliba has played for Saint Etienne and when he hasn't. And it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's night and day. And um, even though I think that's only sort of six, maybe matches that he's played, played for them this season. Well, maybe eight, I think, in all competitions. Um, you know, he, he I don't think they've lost any of them. They have barely conceded a goal, and they just look a completely different team with him in the, in the lineup as well. Jeremy, this isn't school. Do you want to stop looking at my notes? Honestly, <laughs> taking the
0: running order. Uh, okay, yes, William Salaba. Let's have with, let, I'll, I'll give you this the statistics for him this season. So, this is for the league, he has played in five games. And in four of those, San Etienne have kept a clean sheet. In the the whole rest of the season in Ligue 1, San Etienne have only kept one other clean sheet. So you know, is 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 that another argument for a for a player who's just contributed so much to a team,
2: or at least when he has been there, Jeremy? There were someone, uh, Kevin Jeffries, um, put out some some stats yesterday showing. The similar kind of statistics I think was wins goals conceded and clean sheets since Saliba made his debut in 2018 and that was as a I can't remember exactly the 17 or 18 year old complete novice and basically right from the start the statistics with him starting are just infinitely better than than without him um and I just think it shows what a class player he is not and I don't think it's even just his basic ability it seems to be that he shows leadership it's almost like he's kind of directing what um you know someone like Lloyd Perrin should be doing rather than the other way around and (laughs) even even yesterday was yes yesterday or the day before whenever it was um with with Fafana next to him I know it's barely any difference but Fafana is actually the older of the two players and you know, Saliba clearly is 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 considered the the sort of senior defender of the two. Um, and it's worth it's worth looking out on um, on Twitter or wherever for. Um, uh, he was so, uh, Saliba at one point was sold a, a reasonably difficult pass from the keeper. He was sort of quite quite deep in his in his own half, really close to the touchline, with Ben Yedder sort of bearing down on him. And he did this brilliant sort of just shimmy of the hips and just sent Ben Benedek completely the wrong way and just and cleared the danger. As someone's put it to the to the music, of strictly come dancing. <laughs> it looks like a kind of salsa move. He's just, I think, he's a class act. And actually, he he almost set up Buanga for a very good goal, and keeper saved it. But I think people would have been raving about his pass had, 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 had Buanga finished that one as well.
0: See, that's the thing about Saliba compared to any other youth players or anything like that. The difference with him and pretty much, unless there's some that I'm forgetting, every other player his age, you know, that 18, 19, basically under 20 bracket. He, out of all the players I can think of, has the most of a presence, a real presence. You know, it's very easy to come into a team and be a young guy and be really nervous and, you know, Put in a good performance, but, you know, just be quiet and, okay, I'm, I'm going to do my work and then I'll, I'll just sit back. You know, you see a lot of players do that and that's fine. But Salba comes into the team, dominates the team. It's pretty much like a second captain. He is singing with the ultras, with microphones and leading songs and everything. Like, he's such a presence in the team. And you're forgetting this kid is 18. This kid is three years younger than me and he is leading a team like nothing else. Uh, the statistics that you were talking about, Jeremy, earlier. So, Since William Salba has come into the team in September 2018, he uh, or San Etienne have won 61% of their games as opposed to 36% without. They have kept clean sheets in half of the matches as opposed to just 18% without. And they concede 0.9 goals with him and 1.6 without him. So it does show that even such a young guy, he does have such a presence on the team at the moment, Arsenal are really getting quite a player. So when there's, st- a,
2: there's the sort of famous story of um, the, when uh, Saint-Etienne had won the, the their kids had won the Cup, which obviously he was he was a, a member of that team for a lot of the season. When they come won the Cup, Gombardella um, sort of after the after they'd won and the and the first team were were in the changing room but about to go out you've got Saliba turning to the rest of the team with all these seasoned pros him as a sort of 18 year old saying come on let's win this match for the kids <laughs> 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 but, but that's exactly what you want
0: you want a guy to be a presence and be an absolute, just be, be something else don't just be a good player you want him to have the whole like package if he doesn't <laughs> captain the team by like age 22. I'll be really surprised. I think he is well, of I, that quality.
2: I I had to write an article recently um, on Saliba as a sort of half-term report, and I was asked by the people, the, the editors or whatever, to compare him to to members of the to Arsenal centre backs past and present. Um, and so I, I I mentioned that in terms of leadership, he really has the capacity to 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 be another Tony Adams and I got lots yeah. of stick for it. Like, how can you say that about an 18-year-old kid? But you really do see that already.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. He's he's just got he's just got kind of like a squ- a swagger of how he plays sometimes and how he just marshals that defence. It's really it's so strange to see from such a such a young kid as well.
0: Hmm. I mean if you look at all the videos of Tony Adams and the Arsenal dressing room, he's basically just running around punching walls before they go out. I think so that just like being an absolute leader for them. And that's I think such a good a good comparison. It's not really what I thought of but I think it is a pretty good comparison to think of. I mean he was a guy who was captain of Arsenal at I, I don't know maybe I think he was pretty young when he did it. Um but an exemplary centre centre half for them and I think Arsenal have got quite a coup getting him. What did they sign him for again? It wasn't that much. Uh, 30, 30 million yeah. Something around that, okay. you know. I mean, not that much <laughs> in terms of what you would pay for a lot of other players under twenty-one right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so when Saliba does get on his plane this summer, heads off to London, and you know, is kicking it at London Colney and all that, Wesley Fofana will be the the left behind centre half to really fill the void for him. It was a interesting defensive partnership with him against Monaco, Fofana, and Saliba. But Fofana will be the player to probably step up a little bit next season. Thomas, do you see similar qualities in Fofana?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're both probably quite mobile defenders. Um, Fofana seems to be quite active um, in, in, in his defending. But it's going to be tough with with such a huge loss. It's g- it's strange to think of a huge loss of a, you know, such a young player. But, and, and as well, I think McCoodie's, uh recently left on loan to Nottingham Forest, I guess. So it, was it looked not, like he was, was going to go to Middlesbrough. I don't know if it's definitely. Oh, Middlesbrough, three. that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Middlesbrough. Um, so hopefully he comes because when he signed, I was really hoping he would um, step up because he's been uh, one of the best defenders in, in League 1 for a good few years now. Um so and he he's still twenty twenty-two, I think. Um so hopefully he gets some some game time and and gets his confidence back. So when Salva does leave for Arsenal permanently, um they've got sort of a, another you know, strong strong young set to come to come in and sort of um not replace him but but help help that uh help that loss.
0: Mm. Okay, let's talk about the opponents in this match, which were Monaco, they were the team, losing 1-0 in this one. Thomas, do you think the honeymoon period is over for Moreno now?
1: Did they ever have a honeymoon period? Really? <laughs> for like <laughs> was, 20 minutes against was Paris. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a, a three-all draw against Paris. Um, <laughs> I don't, no, there was never a honeymoon period. Um, I, it's going to be still a uh tricky and sort of rest of the season. Slomani looks like he's he's not going to play another minute for them. Uh that's pretty pretty evident. And I'm not sure how uh, it depends on how Moreno sets sets them up going forward, but he's he's opted to play Ben Yedda, um just as a, a lone striker, which in the past he really hasn't played too much. I mean he was at Toulouse um playing there for quite a bit sometimes. Um but it's it'll be interesting to see how these new signings integrate into the into the squad. Um because obviously they've got Yusuf Fafana from, from Strasbourg and, and Tromini from from Bordeaux. And it's just like an, another sort of Monaco <laughs> Monaco route of the uh the transfer market. Um very interesting players, um slightly similar in profile, um, but yeah it's it's gonna be it, I think you should, anybody who's um, new to Ligue should, should uh, watch, watch and see what Monaco are doing um, and how they how they get on, because I'm pretty sure the games will be exciting. Maybe they might not get three points, um, but there should be uh, some carnage.
0: Yes, a lot has been said, obviously, and probably joked about with Monaco's transfer policy in the last few years. But do you think the moves for Aurelien Chimeney from Bordeaux, who I really like, and also Fana, who I watched a lot of last season at Strasbourg. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you think that's a, a better move, a better move in a better direction for them now, Thomas?
1: Yeah, well, previously they were just sort of going out and buying teenagers left and right. Um, I, I'm still kind of confused with what they're doing because I, I, I want to hope that in the summer they have a mass exodus and just get rid of loads of players because they've got way too many players on the books um, and players you just forget about that are still there. Um, Naldo's only recently terminated his contract. I think we all forgot that he was still there um, <laughs> after, after signing and, and doing nothing apart from being sent off. Um, Fabregas, I think his contract is probably, I think it's two and a half years more of it. And he just looks physically, just looks sort of burnt out somehow. Um, he still possesses a good technical quality, but I don't think I mean, I think Moreno likes him, but I'm not sure how long he survives in that team um, mm-hmm. because he's, he's you know he's, he seems to be look fatigued in, in games, and he should probably pick up some tips from um, Tom Mangani at, at Angers. So um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how see how Monaco do and the the signings. Uh, let's just let's just see because I'm, I'm never I never trust when players go to Monaco, young players sometimes.
0: Look, Fabregas went from Chelsea to Monaco, living in Monte Carlo with the casinos and the lovely restaurants <laughs> and the dock, and we're not surprised that he looks awful physically. Like that, that <laughs> had to be seen from miles away. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Jeremy, do you see the situation, or, or how do you see the situation at Monaco going then for the rest of the season? Do you think they have, you know, do you think they've made the right appointment in Moreno? And do you think they've signed the right players with Fafana, Chamene, also Marcelan who's coming from Auxerre? You know, do you, do you think it will calm down and, and start to go the right way, or are Monaco fans in for a bit of a rollicking for the rest of the year?
2: Um, I agree with Thomas that I think the first thing they need to do is is uh, get rid of a hell of a lot of, of a lot of players. Even <clears throat> I mean, even even if a lot of them aren't sort of close to the first team or the first team squad, I think just having that many professionals knocking about, I don't think can be good for atmosphere. You know, if you've got, um, I think. Uh, in the summer, at some point, they had something like 72 players on their books. If you're sort of being uncharitable and you're including the players who are out on loan but also have been loaned in, um, and, and you just can't function like that if you've got, like, you know, 50 players who are probably not very happy or very happy to be in Monaco and, and not needing to worry about <laughs> training or, or staying match fit, I suppose. Um, I think I that think they're, they're, they're obviously now in some kind of transition period i think oleg petrov is is trying to get more control over things and um, the way he sort of mm-hmm. vanished um uh what's his name the the super agent um the Portuguese Mendes. guy yeah Mendes. Mendes. yeah so he's basically said you know stop butting in i'm in charge now um we'll we'll you know, we'll bring in your players when you've managed to sell some of the crap that you've given us in the past. <laughs> um, and I think Jardim actually was very, very poisonous in his second second spell there. So I think they're they're sort of, they've turned hopefully a bit of a corner. And um, I do think that bringing in play, like I said, players like Fafana, Tremini, Marcelin, who are still young talented, still got a lot of potential, but at least have played quite a lot of professional matches now and have shown that they can do it. They're not sort of, um, you know, walking injuries. Um, I think that that's a more sensible policy than the last couple of years. Um, I guess the main question mark is Moreno. I mean, he did a good job sort of during his kind of interim stages as Spain manager, but that is, I think, his only sort of head coach role. It is okay. It's not easy to 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 manage. Well, in some senses, it's not easy to to maybe man manage players like that. But they are a very talented bunch of players. So in in some senses, it it is easier than than um, coming into a place like Monaco where where the team is struggling. And I just I think he's unproven. So it really could go either way. Um, it started brightly against against PSG. He talks a good game. He obviously is kind of ta- tactically astute. But the fact is, in that PSG match, although they deserved to win, they did also defend very badly and concede three. Um, I think they've conceded at least three in two or maybe three matches since then as well. They didn't look very impressive at home against a still sort of shaky, confidence-wise Saint-Étienne. So th- th- there's certainly still some issues there. Um, and probably it will take until the summer and you know more time to sort everything out before before it gets any better. So I don't think it's going to be a particularly good second half of the season. But I I, I don't think they're going to struggle to to stay up or anything like that. But um, I, despite the fact that on paper it's still a very strong team, I think they're going to. I, I doubt they'll be challenging for Europe either. And they're so reliant on Ben Yedder. It's, mm. it's, you know, it's, it is almost mess or Wanga like mm.
0: I'm just interested to see how their training sessions go. So many players, you'd be stumbling over each other, <laughs> trying to get onto the ball. Do you think it's that way where it's like back in school when you had too many players and you would just play like 15 a side, but on an <laughs> 11's pitch, <laughs> just crosses into the box and there's like
2: 30 guys there.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Let's move on to one more of the Coup de France matches. Can I
2: just so? Can I just add one more thing about the yeah, of course. Their match, their match at the weekend against Strasbourg. If you're going to manage a team playing horrifically badly, do not wear a jacket that's sort of some kind of cross between what <laughs> Michael Jackson and Freddie Mercury would wear. <laughs>
0: He was well he was rocking like leather in a hoodie at the PSG games. Like he just doesn't he's he's trying to be he's trying to be the cool teacher, you know what I mean? Okay, let's move on to SES Epinal versus Lille. This match finished 2-1 to the fourth-tier side Epinal with Jean-Philippe Crasseau scoring twice after Lloyd Remy had opened the scoring for Lille. So this is another major upset in this competition with Epinal, who play in the same division as Lille's reserves, beating the Lille first team two one. Uh, interestingly, I looked up what the last meeting between Epinal and Lille's reserve teams, Lille's reserve team was. It finished nil <laughs> nil. Um, it's just gone bad to worse for Lille, hasn't it, Thomas? With them now sitting seventh and dropped out both cups
1: yeah it's a strange one because they they did feel um a pretty good team for the, uh and you see that a lot from the the uh the the bigger clubs in you know the league and clubs they don't they don't mess around in the cup they do uh, usually feel quite quite good teams um but i mean this one is it's a sort of a shows the 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 magic of of, of the cup um where i think it was a Crasso the 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 striker for an Epinal scored. Twice in the space of I think six or seven minutes, um, and Lil just couldn't um, just couldn't get back into it. Um, but I think for them, it, it's going to be focusing on the the league. Um, I don't think they would have bothered too much about the cups, and they're still they're still in a, in transition, in my opinion. Um, and it won't be till I think late on this season that we sort of start to see. That team really starts to click and function properly. You think
0: it's taken so long?
1: they've had more time. I don't. I don't think they have, to be honest. If you think about the amount of the amount that's been taken out of that team, and the incoming like somebody like Ronaldo Sanchez who needs to get his confidence back. It does take a while for for some players. You know, the the, the big change in scenery, big change in tactics. You know, they've come to um, a different country and they just need to. Sort of um, settle in, and sometimes it it depends on you know the player. Can take can take a while.
0: Jeremy, do you agree with that? Do you think they just need a little bit more time to fit in, or have they had their opportunity? They should be a bit more settled by now.
2: Um, I feel somewhere a little bit in between because I mean a lot of the players were were there last year, but Mm. you know the, the crucial players, the the ones that really made everything tick last year, most of them have gone, and so. Um, maybe they should be settling down a little bit, but we'll see. They actually sort of started the season slightly better than I thought they would do, but they haven't kicked on as much as I thought they would. And it's still sort of one game on, one game off. And, you know, half the time Gautier's sort of praising them. The other half, he's kind of tearing down the walls of the changing room. And I think if you if you look at the difference between their home form and, and their, their away form, it's quite marked. That the defeat against PSG the other day, I think was their first home defeat of the season whereas away from home they're really struggling and and maybe that that kind of says a lot about where the team's at that sort of they feel a little bit more comfortable with home home comforts and with the crowd behind them but they're not quite sort of clicking as a collective and and that affects them a lot more uh, when they're away from home and they've sort of got maybe a few more factors to deal with.
0: Mm. If the table was decided on away form Lille would be in the relegation playoff place. (laughs) which is quite nutty to think about. Um, they've now lost their last three matches, plus a defeat to Dijon a few weeks ago before that. Where does Galtier sit right now, Jeremy? Do you think he'll be looking over his shoulder and, and panicking a little bit, especially if they can't really get back on track for Champions League?
2: No, I think um, yeah, unless, unless the form really falls off a cliff, I think he's quite rightly got, you know, I think his stock's still very high there. He did so well last year. He was voted manager of the year. Um, I'd have thought probably the only way he'll leave is if he he decides that he wants to go or um, he gets an offer from from a bigger club somewhere.
0: Epinal's striker in this one, I just want to finish on him just before we move on, was Jean-Philippe Crasso? He scored the two goals. He's a 22-year-old playing in the fourth tier and he's a former Lorient uh, Youth Academy graduate, wherever you want to say these days. If you want to see a good goal or good goals, go see, go watch his illegal highlights because they are quite good. His goal, I think, I don't know if it was the first or second. I think it was the first piece on the edge of the box. Takes the ball, skips past, I think it must have been Gabriel, uh, and then just chips into the box and and, and scores past. Uh, who, who was the goalkeeper at Jardim? Oh no, it was Magnon. Um, it's, a, it's a bloody good goal though, 22-year-old. I'm just thinking if Lorient get promoted this season, he might be getting the call to go back into their squad um, ok, a few more games happened in the coup de France that we'll just finish with quickly, Marseille got a 3-1 win over Strasbourg it was it was quite funny it was the three suspended players that couldn't play against Angers last week that scored in this game, Bounassar Dimitri Payet and Boubacar Kamara Cordier for Strasbourg got a bit of a consolation goal but Thomas Marseille continuing to plod along, do you think this competition will be an aim for them?
1: Uh, I mean, it could be. I mean, you see, they've got quite a nice, um, quite a nice gap uh, in the, in the league, and I don't see, you know, why they couldn't, couldn't probably push push further on. Uh, I think the the cup games have just been announced, or the 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 draw at least. Um, and I cannot remember. Lyon Marseille. Oh, is it? Wow. Okay, yeah. that'll be a really interesting uh, tie then. Because Leon might be going for both cups, you could, could see that happening. Um, so yeah, it should be. Uh, oh, that, that's, a, <laughs> that's really interesting now. Um, yeah, but it should be. Uh, uh, it should try and try and go for the cup really, because there is a, a chance of um, of progressing further, and and maybe uh, maybe a, a face off with PSG in the final probably um, would, be, uh, would be a great one.
0: And in this match, Payet scored yet yeah, another goal. I think it's his fourth in his last five games, and he has been linked away with. I think it was a couple of teams in the Premier League. West Ham, I think, was one of them. Uh, in In recent weeks, it won't. I don't think it'll happen this transfer window or anything like that. But he has it was getting just, a little bit old. It was only
2: another penalty.
0: Still, no. he's 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 got some of the best like assists. Uh, key pass statistics in Europe it's as actually say, it's like in the top seven in Europe no, Jeremy, no, fair do, enough. Do, do you think <laughs> it kind of all comes crashing down when Payet does leave Marseille if it is in the summer or the year after that like he is quite crucial to their to their play as a team I mean that just showed when they played André as soon as he wasn't in the team they could hardly create anything
2: yeah I mean uh, that, that match really showed that this year and it is only this year because as usual he only bothers to turn up in a year where, where there's an <laughs> international tournament at the end of it um, he has been crucial to them especially with, with Tova out for so long um, so it's hard to say if it crashes down I suppose you know, the fact is Marseille are in, in a bad place at the moment financially they can't bring anyone in unless they sell and purely for that reason it must be quite tempting to sell Payet before he gets another year older and a couple more million is knocked off his price um, but you know, obviously then there's a the risk of bringing someone in who's not going to um, be as effective as he is. Um, so, yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that, yes, it would crash down unless they get a decent amount of money for him and really find some some cracking kind of bargains because um, it's it's all him and obviously Benedetto finish, finishing um, his playmaking off. Um, although he's gone slightly off the boil and, and is injured. But, um, yeah, Payet definitely makes them tick. And, and us last weekend shows what a different team they are without him. A
0: mm. uh, couple other matches just to mention. Uh, fourth-tier ASM Belfort with a penalty win. Over Montpellier, but Montpellier have got other things to aim for this season, like Champions League qualification with the rest of pretty much every team outside of the relegation zone. Uh, Fifth tier, Lemone finally ended their Coup de France run with a 2-1 defeat against Dijon. It was an incredible last minute winner, actually, by the English former Arsenal current Juventus. Striker on loan at Dijon. Steffi Mavadidi getting, uh, I think it was a 120th minute goal. I think that one went to extra time. Uh, pretty, pretty insane match, actually. Unfortunate for Lemone. And PSG, obviously, beat Poe with quite a bit of ease. It was third-tier Poe. It was oh, a way too poor, rather. Um, Paredes and Sarabia getting the goals. Pretty standard. I don't think they really ever expected any problems um, Thomas, is Paredes in the top two or top three players in France? What, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Okay, let's let's move on to uh, the Ligue 1 previews. So, this is one that I think is pretty massive, but I want to see what other people think. Amiens versus Toulouse. Amiens currently sit 18th uh, just in the relegation playoff place, and Toulouse are... Holding up the rest of the league in twentieth. Jeremy, is this the biggest game of the weekend?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it is. I mean, even if there was any kind of top of the table clash, which I, I don't think there is anyway, this this is huge. You look at both teams' form; it's absolutely horrific. Toulouse have lost eleven in a row, twelve in all competitions. Haven't won since I think uh, middle of October or something like that. And Amiad aren't much better they haven't won a, a lead match since um i think the middle of november so this is huge and it's actually um kind of to ami has credit that they're 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 where they are considering how bad that form is and they, you know, they must have really done well earlier on in the season to only be third from bottom with that kind of run behind them um and they've got uh, a nice six-point cushion over Toulouse, only three over Nim, but six over Toulouse. If 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 they if they went on to win this match, that that nine-point different difference is huge. And it's it's still too early to say that Toulouse are completely duped But if they were to lose this weekend, then they're they're, you know, they're really really struggling because at the moment it's difficult to see where any win is coming from. But that would mean they'd need three wins just to just to get even to the playoff place. So. Uh, this is this is huge for both of them, and and um, if if yeah, particularly big for Toulouse. I think they they cannot lose this match. I mean, obviously they can very very easily, but they mustn't. <laughs> They probably will.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, so where do you think it's gone wrong really for for Toulouse this season? You know, is it players? Is it the manager situation? You have to remember they're on their third head coach of the season, Jeremy.
2: I mean, m- manager definitely doesn't help. Casanova didn't finish his first spell brilliantly and it's one of those sort of cliches in football that you should never go back and it's difficult to think of any um, cases where someone has, has come back and done better in their second managerial spell than their first. Um, so that was maybe a little bit misguided, but certainly Kombuare um, was was probably the bigger mistake. Um, he really, I mean, he was never the most exciting manager anyway, but he, he really looks sort of a busted flush. And you look, you, you combine his gang on record and his to and his, uh, Toulouse records and it. it, it <laughs> It's he shouldn't be anywhere anywhere near any 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 of the next jobs that that come up. Um, so so I that's all, that's going to put them in difficulties as it is. But apart from that, it's it's difficult to to see exactly what the problem is, other than maybe it's just sort of the the culmination of, of several years of mediocrity. Because you look at, at the players that they've got, and I'm not saying that they're going to pull up any trees or you know. Be, in the European places or anything like that. But on paper, it, it, it isn't a bad team. There are some very talented players there. You've got, you know, Songare, obviously, who's he, been, um, you know, scouted by a lot of teams at, around Europe. You've got Greggdale's injured at the moment, but still scoring a lot of goals. Koulouris started the season well, but it's got a bit quiet. But even then, you've got players like, I guess, Sanogo and Said. who could still occasionally come up with an important goal or two. Um, a couple of talented defenders who, who you'd expect to be doing better than they are too, and I, it's it's really difficult to fathom why they're doing as badly as they are. And even um, even last week they, they they brought in a new goalkeeper to try to freshen things up, and that's kind of backfired because it's really annoyed Rene, who who has been the starting keeper, and and he's now well, he at the weekend he refused to even to to be the substitute keeper because, you know, he felt he'd really been undermined by the fact that they brought someone else in. So even attempts to, to, to try to change things by maybe introducing a little bit more competition for places or something like that, even that seems to have had a negative effect um, rather than a positive one. So the, the, the whole club just seems to be very much in the doldrums. And I just saw that possibly they, they're going to get Diop from Lyon on loan, which i mean who knows if that's going to help or not he's, he's not playing much because maybe he's not up to to league standard i don't know so it's not it's maybe that's not necessarily the greatest move either but something needs to change there um, either on or off the pitch just to to be some kind of catalyst for them to even have a fighting chance of staying up because i think that they're one match away from breaking the record for consecutive defeats that that's how bad it, that's how bad it is
0: so, Toulouse have tried to change their fortune by, you know, changing the manager twice. Dennis Sanko is now the, the man in the job for the rest of the season. They've said, they're, they're saying they're backing him, but I'll give it a month before they're looking at bringing Kumbuari back in. Um, Thomas, the other team they'll be playing here is Amion, who have, you know, like Jeremy was saying, have been in not too dissimilar a situation or a run of form, but they've stuck with their manager and they're saying, no, we're going to back Elsner. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what it takes is because he's he's a young guy. We, we knew who we were bringing in and they have stuck with him. Do you think that has been the right decision? Or do you think there's something admirable in that and say, no, we're going to stick by the guy we decided on in June?
1: Yeah, I think it's admirable. Um, but they are they are struggling. Um, and in the past, they've had quite a solid, uh, a solid defense. And. You know, gertner has been been pretty good for them but this season gertner has been really quite poor um and it's, it's, it's shown by you know some of the goals they have conceded I mean they've conceded 41 goals this season uh, and when you look at some of the the, the chances um they've faced they, they shouldn't be conceding that many um I think so the expected expected goals gives them 30 goals they should be conceding. so that's a big outlay. Um, of 11 goals, and 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 Gertner has struggled, um, and and I mean in attack, it's difficult to see where where the actual creativity comes from, I and mean, you've got players like Girassi and and Canate that that are uh, decent finishers, but who's gonna who's gonna create any chances? I was looking at the any the the players in the squad at the moment, and and uh, Kakuta, who's who's played you know, the majority of the games. Um, he's only producing a chance a game, and it's not. I mean, if you look at some uh, the team they're playing um, this weekend to lose, they got somebody like Dosserby, who's a very good cross, and he's producing, you know, two chances a game. Even some a team like Neem that are struggling, I've got I've got Ferrat and and Tail as well, and I can't I can't see at the moment where who who's creating the chances for them, and that's the big concern. Um, and it's not it's not really down to Elsner. Um, the, that, that issue is just down to the personnel on the squad
0: mm. But do you think the results since the turn of the year show you know a little bit of improvement I'll take you through them So uh, Since the start of 2020 they've drawn with Wren um, although you probably wouldn't call that such a great result anyway they've uh, drawn with Wren, they lost 2-1 to Montpellier I think they took the lead in that one as well they drew 1-1 with Ramps narrowly lost 2-1 to Brest you know, does that show some incremental improvements in them, as opposed to Toulouse that are still getting whacked every week?
1: Yeah, possibly so. But I mean, they've only picked up one point, so <laughs> it's even though the 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 games look to be to be close, um, they're not picking up points. And this is, I think, this is the first, probably the first six real six pointer we've had this season, um, and it's it's pretty crucial for both teams, but. For Toulouse, this is this is huge. Mm.
0: Okay, let's get your score predictions for this one. Thomas, I'll start with you. How do you think this one is going to finish between Amiens and Toulouse?
1: Oof, uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm not going to watch this game, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to go with... I'm gonna make it nil-nil, just really, really bad. Nil, nil. Uh,
0: really, well, it's, it's gonna yeah. be scrappy. We know that it's not. No team's gonna like take it by the take it by the scruff of the neck, you know. But nil-nil, Jeremy. Do you see any goals? Uh,
2: I'll say yes, just for variety. But I don't think there'll be many. <laughs> um, I'll go one 0 Amia. And they'll win because of a hole in the midfield. Because Diop's going to Strasbourg, not to. I made a mistake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've they both got probably the worst keepers in the division at the moment. So maybe somebody might score. Who knows? It's just, it's gonna be
0: it's gonna be funny for the neutral. Basically, is what we've decided. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I'm going to go one nil Amion as well. I think my boys should do it if it's not Gourassi or the the guy they signed from Cologne coming up and doing something well. I, th- I do think I Amiens mean, have got a wee bit more of more firepower than Toulouse at the moment. If they can just get get the ball in the right places, um, our final game of the episode is going to be Nice versus Lyon. Le uh, Les Lyonissois currently sit twelfth in Ligue One, with Lyon, the visitors, sitting in seventh. Uh, firstly, before you can talk about any team's form or on the pitch stuff, Lyon's transfers. Uh, some some. Developments have happened in the last day or two. Firstly, Jeremy uh, Lucas Toussaint is out for about 22.5 million, I think it was pounds, I can't remember if it was pounds or euros, with uh, the the Brazilian boy Guam getting brought in for 19 million. Uh, Again, I can't remember if it was pounds or euros. Do you think that's a, a good, you know, it's not, it's not obviously not a swap between clubs, but do you think it's a good bit of business between Lyon to start going out at the end of the season and Gomaira's getting brought in? I don't know how much you'll have seen of the Brazilian. I don't think many guys and many people in Europe have seen much of him, But from what I've heard from Brazilian fans, there's a lot of hype over this player.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, um, I mean, for I Lyon fans, mostly seem to have taken a dislike to him and, and don't rate him very highly, which I think is a bit harsh. I think he's done very well for them. Um, I think he's relatively limited sort of technique-wise, but that's not what he's there for. That's not what his position is. And I think his, his days are probably numbered right from the start of the season when, when Juninho said that he, that he was looking for a more technical player to play in that position. Um, so I think it's, it's decent money for him. And I think it's it's a good move for him, um, but I, I I wish I hope that he sort of I think he's on loan still there for the rest of the season. I hope that he sort of leaves on good terms with the fans and they give him a decent send off because I don't think they treated him very well. Um, but yeah, given from from everything that everyone's saying and even just looking at the the number of top teams that that were after him, um, clearly he's a, he's a real talent, and that sounds like a real coup and. and Janino as well. I think you know, of all the people who've struggled at Lyon this season, on and off the pitch, you've got to say that that Janino, to an extent, has struggled to adapt to this his new role as a sporting director. And this one looks a real coup. Um, Gimenez basically said it was it was only thanks to Janino that he put, picked Lyon over um, over Atletico. Um, he said, <laughs> I think he said that Janino told him he would make him the best midfielder in the world, which. Maybe a little bit colorful, <laughs> I don't know, but um, uh, it's still, you know, it's still a testament to to Geninho's pull mate, Whether it's just because he's a he's a Brazilian legend or, or he's got good powers of persuasion, whatever it is, I think that it's positive for for Leon and for Janinho's authority going forward. And hopefully, just playing wise, if 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 Guimaraes is as as good as as people are saying, then it's it looks like a a huge prospect that, that's joining League which is good for the for the whole league as a as a whole. <laughs> mm. I could have said that better, uh, but I... you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to come on to Janino actually. So he's a guy who's obviously a bit of a legend at Leon. Good good feet for the free kicks and all that. Uh but not a lot of experience as a sporting director, technical director, director of football, whatever you want to call it. But Thomas he's done a pretty solid job so far, no one's really been much of a flop. He likes his Brazilians with jean Lucas and Chago Mendes, and now Guimares getting brought in. How have you judged his first little stint in the job?
1: Um I think you're you're being quite uh, nice on him now. <laughs> um, uh, Who, who's who's been I'm awful? Sure. Who's who's no, been I'm, terrible? I'm just I'm just not sure how much of Sil- Silvino. Silvino. <laughs> yeah, I mean Silvino sort of came in Giannino's sort of briefcase and sort of forgot, oh, wait a minute, yeah, we're, we're bringing him as as well. And that that did fail. Um, and I don't know how much involvement he's had in the transfers of some of these players. Um, obviously, uh, is is a, a big one, um, but somebody like uh, Adelaide, I don't know how much he gets involved in that. I think that was more instigated by um, Maurice, the head scout, um, that was watching him over the, over the summer. Uh, so I think it's... Let's, let's see how, how it goes for Janino at Lyon. Um, because I think some of the decisions that have been made, um, good or bad, um, I think some of the good ones might not be all of his <laughs> Um, and some of the some of the bad ones could potentially have been
0: no fun allowed, no fun <laughs> allowed. Uh, okay, Leon's uh, um, Leon uh, out with maybe out with the transfers being good or bad or great or terrible. They have been playing a little bit better recently, picking up some good wins. Um, Thomas, do you think this is a view to them starting to get on the right track and and go for Champions League football and all that, or? Is there there's still some uncertainty around the gun?
1: Um they've just been <coughs> less uh, chaotic recently. I mean they've, been, no, they've like less, lost... they've been less bad but not more good. They've I think Rudy Garcia is sort of I don't know, consistently I don't know, how do you describe it? Sort of not boring, but um I don't know, he's got a sort of level of consistency, Garcia. And that, that's sort of seeping into the, into the squad, uh, be that good or bad in the long term. Um, but I mean Moussa and Belly's back back firing um again, which is is great for them because you know, last I think it was, it was probably around this time last season that we, we really started to, to um to get into to really good form and a is always um, is gonna be a great addition to to that squad. Um, as, uh, I mean, Gimoresh Let's. I'd like to see him. He, he won't be integrated straight away, but um, as, as far as um, I'm aware, what, what people have said, he's, he's a very, very talented player. Um, so it, they're a little bit more stable, and, and they could push for, for for them Champions League spots no problem. Uh, they just need to keep up the consistency that they, they've been doing for the past past month or so.
0: Hmm. Uh, so I, I must mention as I was recording this the, the League, the, or the of France game, sorry between Nice and Lyon is literally pretty much just finished with Lyon winning 2-1 through a 93rd minute Hussam Awar penalty after Nice had equalised in the 88th minute. Uh, so quite the game there, uh, even though Lyon had held the lead for quite a while Nice will have to Dust themselves off from that and come back into this with a with a fresh mind as they go back into the league. Jeremy, it was it was a tight game, but they they did lose it. Obviously, we haven't been able to watch it as we've been chatting here. But do you see Nice getting a different result here, or do you think it'll be a bit more of of more the same? You know, does that does that um, setting of this being a league game change anything for them? Do will they have a bit more a bit more appetite for this game given the competition?
2: It's it's always hard to tell with Nice because in a way they're, they're the new Lyon in that you don't really know what to expect from them. Like one week they look like they, they could get a result against one of the top teams and the next week they'll, they'll sort of, um, I don't know, fall to, to a pathetic defeat where you'd expect them to win. So um, it, a lot of it just seems to be what, what team Vieira puts out and what mood some of those players are in. Um, I, because the two fixtures are so close together, there is an element of, of temptation to sort of think, well, whoever was going to win tonight or whoever was going to lose tonight would be more motivated to win on Sunday. Um, and you look at the the teams that they put out tonight, I think it's probably fair to say that Nice's is is a little bit more like their their very first team than the Lyon's. I think Lyon sort of got maybe three or four players in there who wouldn't necessarily be starting things being equal on Sunday um, so um, I suppose psychologically in terms of the the, the players feel fielded and obviously the result you, you'd expect Lyon to, to go into Sunday with a little bit more confidence but Lyon being Lyon and the fact that it is at Nice I just I don't know I just I feel like maybe there's a surprise there but as, as Thomas said Lyon are um, I think he's absolutely right about Garcia. Um, he was probably, uh with hindsight, he probably was the right man for the situation where just everything around Leon needed to calm down a little bit. And and he's probably the 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 best place manager to do that. And and it's not necessarily great to watch, it's not particularly exciting, but they are making themselves tough to beat again and, and getting results. You know, even against Toulouse the other day, it took them a while to get going and 3-0 home win against the, the rock-bottom team looks straightforward enough, but it, it it took a while before it became comfortable. Um, so everything's not 100% clicking into place, but so far it's gone really well in 2020. And um, yeah, as Thomas said, Dembele's in great form. Nice, it looks like Cyprian might be missing um, on Sunday because he went off injured tonight, and he's he still looks like a very important player for Nice. So... um Everything points to a Leon win, but I just got a sneaky feeling.
0: Yeah, the, the, the thing about the the Garcia situation is, I think everyone, or at least at least Twitter, wants every club to appoint this nineteen year old manager with a philosophy that's going to bring it back to two thousand and nine Barcelona, tiki taka, short pass, and whereas that's just not what you need sometimes. It's it's not what will bring you the the best results over over the over the course of time. A lot of the time, you do need the slightly more boring Christian Gurkuf or your Rudy Garcia to come in and just settle everything. I mean, when Gurkuf came in at Nant, everyone was like, "What the hell's going on?" And he had them they're, they're sixth now, but I think they were fourth or third a couple of weeks ago. Like sometimes you just need one of the older heads to come in and sort everything out, and that's probably what Garcia has done. And I was probably one of the biggest biggest critics of the move at the time. But then I, I might need to start eating my words if Leon head up though they're only seventh right now. I'm, I'm still going to point that out. But let's get your score predictions for this one, Thomas. How do you see this one finishing off between Nice and Leon?
1: I think it's going to be the same score as it was uh, tonight, two-one, Leon.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's, it's tricky because you don't know if you just go on oh, the exact same scoreline or, or if you try and, and, and change it. Uh, uh, Jeremy, how, what do you think? <laughs>
2: um, like I said, I, I don't know why. I can't, I can't say why. I've just got a sneaky feeling that Nice will get something out of it. So I'm going to say uh, 2 all.
0: 2 all. Jeez, goals galore. I don't think <laughs> Nice...
2: Uh,
0: maybe if Casper. Dolberg turns up and has, has a yeah, good Yeah, that's game, why I was
2: hesitating and I was going to say one or so <laughs> let's go for a slightly more exciting scoreline. <laughs>
0: let's let's just go for it. Let's have fun. It's almost Friday, almost the weekend. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll go for... I'll say... Uh, I don't know. Nice are usually pretty solid at home. That's the thing as well. Like, as much as Leon are pretty solid away from home, Nice have a good record, actually. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll go 1-1. I think a lot of the time when teams play each other, you can kind of calm yourself down and sort yourself out. And, and these will have learned stuff about Lyon tonight from playing them. So they'll be able to maybe take that into the match on Sunday. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll go 1-1 just for a bit of variety. Uh, okay, before we go, let's read out the Coup de France draw that was done just in the last hour to see who will be playing in the quarterfinals. So the, the first leg we have or I'll just go through the legs, actually. So, Dijon will host Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, uh, fifth, fourth tier, Epinal will host Saint-Étienne. Lyon will host Marseille. That'll be quite a, quite a tasty game. And Belfort, also from the fourth tier, will host Rennes. Uh, Jeremy, I, I take it the Lyon-Marseille games, the the pick of the bunch from there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean... It... <laughs> The others are all sort of, in theory, the, the the winner should be obvious. But that one, anyway, it's become such... I mean, to me, that's the biggest rivalry in France at the moment. Um, PSG, Marseille, obviously, for the history. But um, in terms of realistic kind of rivalries and, and recent nastiness, um, Lyon-Marseille is, is the, the big match, I think, each season. And so for there to be an extra bonus one in the cup um, with both teams hitting decent for Lyon, hitting decent for Marseille already in it. And so both of them have got to be looking at this as a great chance to win a trophy. Then, um, yeah, I think this one's huge. Mm. And Thomas, just before we finish, out of those other matches,
0: Dijon, Paris Saint-Germain, Epinal, Saint-Étienne, Belfort, Rennes. Do you see any any upsets coming out of those matches?
1: Um, I mean, San have not been been great this season, so maybe Epinal can carry on the magic of the cup and and sneak a sneak a win. Mm. Just never. Uh, know. It would
0: it would have been great to see Epinal against Belfor because then it would have been a Guaranteed, guarantee. It's like yeah, fourth tier yeah. team in the semis, which would be, which would have been sick. Uh, yeah. For me, this round's pretty settled for who I think is going to go through, bar the Lyon-Marseille game. But yeah, so some interesting draws there. In the cup, and we'll need to look at all those matches a little bit closer to the time. Uh, that wraps up the show. If you're looking for more information on all things French football in English, you can go to the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com and you can also find us on Twitter at GFFN. The Twitter page right now is giving constant updates on the transfer window uh, for all French teams, ins and outs. So be sure to stay tuned there for all the information before it closes off on the 31st of January. I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Thomas Wiseman and Jeremy Smith. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next time. See you later.